another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. I'm thankful we got Father's Day today because how many know on Father's Day or Mother's Day, you get certain licenses? Come on, men can say what they need to say on Father's Day and hear what they need to hear. And In fact, uh, I read of a new store that was opening up in New York City that was selling husbands. And uh, among the instructions on the entrance was one that shared with every customer how the store would operate. And this is what it said, you may visit the store only once. In fact, there are six floors and the attributes of the men that are up to become husbands increase on each floor. There is, however, a catch You may choose a husband from any floor, but you may also choose to not on that particular floor and go up to see what is on the next. But you can't go down except when you're exiting the building. So a woman goes to the husband's store to find a husband. She arrives on the first floor and there's a sign on the door says, these men have jobs. Hmm. She thinks that's a pretty good start. Should I stop or should I go? She advances to the second floor and the side reads, these men have jobs and love kids. Tempting. She thought but decided to go up to the third floor. The third floor sign reads, read, these men have jobs, love kids and are extremely good looking. Wow, she thought I'm coming back to this church, but it wasn't a church, it was a store. And she thought, but uh, I have to see what's on the next floor. So she goes up to the fourth floor and it said, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop dead gorgeous and help with the housework. Dan Ackerman. Wow, she thought, this store is amazing, but there are two more floors. I wonder what's up there. So she advances on the stairs to the fifth floor and the sign read, these men have jobs, love kids, drop dead gorgeous, help with the housework and have a romantic streak. Oh my gosh, she thought, am I in heaven? Is this a miracle? She was so tempted to stay, but she decided, but there's one more floor. So she goes up to floor six. The sign read, you are visitor 31,456. There are unfortunately no men on this floor, but this floor seems to prove it is hard to find the total man and almost impossible for a woman to make up her mind. But thank you for shopping at the husband's store. I'm sure I'm going to get a few letters from all the campuses and the acoustic. It's whether I read them or not, I suppose, is the point. You know, the truth is that God has designed us as human beings, particularly, peculiarly. God has made each one of us distinct and yet God, the Bible makes it really clear at the beginning, created man and he created woman. And within that creation, there's a lot of variety. There's a a lot that takes place. Often I'll hear a mum say to the dad, listen, stop encouraging little Jimmy to play like that on the jungle gym because he might fall and hurt, hurt himself or be careful that you don't encourage them to be too wild. In fact, we're in a very PC world. And I kind of get it at the beginning of life that, hey, everybody wants to be a winner, but I don't agree that we should take winning and losing out of the equation. I think we learn in winning and we learn in losing. 
And God within His design, even as a dad and a mum, a dad is there to help a child reach its limits. A mum is more nurturing by and large, and so therefore protecting and having those emotional parts of it. But we are all designed differently, and sometimes even men are stereotyped. But how many know that God has made men men, but we are all very different? And we can sometimes live our whole lives trying to be something that God never designed us to be. And I just want to encourage you, be you, but become a better you. In other words, God doesn't want you to park. He doesn't want you to stay there. In fact, I've found over the years that men can be very creative. Let's have a look at this shot. If we're called into the kitchen, we can come up with an answer if something's not working. Not only are we creative, we're industrious. I love this next shot. Come on, my wife said, go trim the hedge, so... It was a big hedge. We had to find a way to do it. And so we all find a way to do it. We're risk takers. Let's go for a water ski boat. We've got no skis and no boat. Come on, let's get towed along by a quad. Also, men are sensitive. Have a look at this shot. I think this proves we're... Maybe a play on the shot. But in all of discovering who we are, this is what I believe. I believe the Bible teaches that our ultimate fulfillment is the outcome of our alignment. In other words, you are not what people want you to be. And you are not even what you feel to be. You ultimately become who you were meant to be when you align with your designer. It's kind of like buying a product that's quite intricate. Many times as men, we, we think we know what to do until it doesn't work. What do we do? We go back to the instructions and we discover that we didn't do all of the process. I remember putting kitchen cabinets together and realizing after I'd done the whole kitchen that some of the sideboards were the wrong way around. And we had to pull the whole kitchen down to be able to get those boards, which were kit set, in right alignment. See, I think we all want to find fulfillment. We all want to find who we were meant to be and discover the wonder, but since the beginning of time, there is an enemy that is attacking God's design. And he's using the, the fact of emotions or things. For me, even as a, a young boy growing up in a great Christian home, I was riddled with insecurity. So my whole premise is most of us finding who we are as we go into the teenage years was trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be. I, I thought that I would find my worth when I found what somebody else had, I had a younger brother that came out of the womb as a musician and uh, literally just had the ability to hear music, play music. And those early years in church, I remember him going to music practices. I remember one particular day I was hiding behind a curtain because I wasn't one of them, but I wanted to be. And they did their practice and it was kind of like, that's what I really want to do. What instrument can I play? Uh, I'll never forget as they all went home, the building was still open and I went to the drum kit and I started to play, but I discovered I, I can't do drums unless all four things are working the same, both arms and both legs. I couldn't split it up and I thought my value would be in being a musician only to learn, no, my value is learning how to live the design. How we were designed to be all different. And 
I love that God has made me me. And so as I worked through that insecurity, I began to be able to realize that God had an answer for me. Uh, Again, I think it was my mid to late teens, I began to read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This whole passage really became a bedrock uh, passage of Scripture for me discovering who I was and becoming a bit of me. Paul the Apostle writes in verse 12, and he says, I've come to realize that I uh, have not already attained. I as an individual or have come close to being perfected. In other words, as I began to read that, I realized, you know, God's not looking for me to be a perfect me. God's not looking for you to be a perfect you. He's looking for you to grow in who you are. In fact, if you allow religion to direct you, you'll you'll think, well, I'm no good for God unless I'm perfect. People I talk to, they go, well, you know, I'm not like that. I've got so many things wrong with me. But I began to read Paul like a dad speaking to a young Paul and saying, hey, you realize I haven't arrived. Come on, somebody needed to come to church just to hear that. You haven't arrived and you never will. You're in process. There is a call for you to mature. You're not looking for an arrival point. And my heart became alive because, hey, I'm on this journey of discovering who the real me is. But then he goes on, verse 12, and says, but I press on. Come on, I've got something in me as a man that causes me to press through the things that may challenge. Because as I press on, I will lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of for me. I'm not going to park. I'm not just going to live a life of taking it easy, of settling Living distracted? No, I'm going to press on. If, if I'm on this pathway, there's more to be discovered. There's more for you to live. Come on, men. And this isn't just men, but every one of us today, it's kind of like, did you realize God's not expecting you to arrive? He's not expecting you to have it all perfected. He's asking you to press through. Make a decision that you're not just going to stay where you are. You're designed for so much more. Some years ago, I had a melanoma, which the specialists were very concerned about and went through surgery. Thank God it wasn't right through my nose, which they thought it would have been, but for about three weeks, I was faced with the real possibility that my body could be riddled. And yet I trusted God, but I I had to come to a point personally where I could look at my life and go, okay, it hasn't been perfect, but I've kept pressing through. And so I could settle in my heart that if it was time, thank God for the time that I've had, because this is not the end of the story. But I think sometimes we're living in the shadows and God's saying, no, you've got to realize you don't arrive, but you do need to press through. And then brethren, I do not count myself, verse 13, to have made it my own yet or apprehended, but one thing, obviously he was speaking to men. One thing. Don't give me a whole lot of stuff to do. Just one thing. Put your socks in the clothes basket. One thing I do. What was that one thing? I forget those things that are behind. I want to talk to you as a popper today. Every campus, every service, I want to talk to you. Stop bringing up your past. What's the one thing I'm going to walk away from today? Your past. Yeah, but it's been a good past. Well, don't let yourself park in what has been. There's more for you. 
There, there is a God that wants to take your design to maximum potential. Oh, yeah, but I'm old, Paul. I don't give a rip how old you are. Males will leave the planet if you're just going to park. Oh. Tell like it is, white boy. You weren't designed as a man. I'm talking to men. I'm talking to all of us. To just stay where you are. Just don't look, stop, bring, when you bring it up, have somebody tap you on the shoulder. Why are you going there again? Okay, you made a mistake. Leave it. Don't live under the mist of it. Leave it behind you. Reach forward to the things that are ahead of you. Then verse 14, I press towards, not someone else. You can be in a church that's pressing towards the purpose of God, but be stagnant yourself. I press towards, in my family, I press towards. As a dad, I press towards. Where I work, I press toward. Wherever I go, I press towards. I want to bring the best out. I want to inspire other people. Come on, somebody get excited. <laughs> what level of leaning do you have? Right now, I get a little bit of a head cold. I get sick of getting sick. And, uh, but seriously, if you look past my kind of sicky eyes naturally, you're not going to find eyes that have lost the glow. It's kind of like, yeah, we've been through some tough stuff, but we're pressing towards. There's something more in the future. I, I'm going to press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's not just my goal, but heaven awaits someone to step up and go, I'm not just going to park. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to live beyond where I've been before. I'm going to be innovative. Oh, you're just getting emotional. Well, you're born emotional, so I'm trying to touch your emotions and get them on fire. Well, I don't want just emotion. Well, just you need some. And all the women said, yeah, I had to get the women back on side. Four thoughts that, uh, again, I just want to put out there as men, but for all of us. I believe as a man, I am responsible to lead. Oh, it's gone quiet. It's not PC. Well, may not be PC. I don't care about PC. I don't even understand what it means. But I will go back to Scripture. And the Bible says that men were created to lead. Adam, name the animals. Well, what if people don't like it? I don't give a rip. There's nobody but you and Eve. They'll just buy into it. Name the animals. Come on, men. Take the lead. Lead is not about dominating. Lead is not about being bigger or better than someone else lead is about creating an example for others to follow. I just feel like at times the church is filled with men that aren't taking the lead. Kind of where you work, you're not there just to clock in, clock out. You're there to lead with something. What, what about that idea? What, what if we tried that? Well, nobody else has got time to do it. I'll work later and I'll help create. Let's give it a go. You see, I, I think in all of our lives, you're not going to find this place of fulfillment unless you come into alignment with your designer. One of those things to do is to make sure that you're creating examples for others to follow. I've got new shoes on today. Just in case you can't see it in the other campuses. And uh, I had the opportunity this week of speaking to the C3 churches across the South Pacific. And I turn up and the leader goes, we bought you some shoes. We found out your shoe size. If you don't like them, change them. We wanted to honor you as a popper in the faith. It's not like here comes another preacher. Here comes one of our dads in the faith. And, and it's not because I've arrived, but come on, I am going to take a lead. 
So if you want me in that conference just to kind of tickle you, I'm not there to do it. I'm there to take a lead and say, come on, lift your game. Men, would you lead? Would you take this place of growing an example that is beyond what has been before? And in that, there's a challenge for all of us. In fact, I love what the Bible says under this thought of lead. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Paul speaks to Timothy, let no one despise your youth. You're never too young to be who God designed you to be. But be an example. How? To all the believers in your word. What's coming out of your mouth? Negativity. I could never do that. Lead. Yeah, but I've never done it. No, believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Sometimes we've got to get the purity right on the inside because it disempowers us from stepping into our design. Take the lead, not dominate, become an example. If I were to follow you, I'm talking to men, I'm talking to all of us, but I'm talking to men. If I were to follow your example, what would I end up looking like? What would our church look like? For some of us, it would be very late. For some of us, it would be very negative. Some of us would be very reactionary. For some, it would be very hidden. Come on, take the lead. God's not looking for perfect men. He's looking for men that will grow in grace. The second thing is there is a responsibility. I think one of my design qualities as a man is to lead and set an example. Secondly, is to honor. In other words, to embrace this thought that I'm here to live strengthening others before myself. That I, I want to honor, you know, marriages often have conflict because we don't honor the difference in each other. We want same. But God's designed us to be different. And I think when we begin to honor wherever we find ourselves, that's what Paul says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. In other words, I'm not going to try and make people like me. I'll set an example, but I'm going to honor the difference. Because none of us have got it all right, but we are people that are going to turn this competitive nature into a collaboration. It's kind of like we're going to work together and honor each other and honor the fact that all of us have something to bring to the table. So let's think about that thought of honor. Let's go to Pastor Scott up on the North Shore. What do you think about this, Scott? Thanks, Pastor Paul. I love the thought of honor. I love the thought that my life can bring value to someone else. In fact, the definition of honor is to prize, to highly value, or to add value to. And I think as followers of Jesus and just good people in the community, we can add value to others. Not a flippant comment here or there, but to honor. I love what the Bible says in Romans 12.10. It says, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly love and outdo one another, showing affection. Let's change the competition that we're in as men. Let's not be competitive about who's got the best job and who's got the most toys, but let's be competitive about how much honor we can show to those around us. Let's outdo each other with honor. And there's a, there's a letter that I got this week that I got a hold of this week that is a great example of honor. But before I do that, I want to honor my wife who I don't want to look at her because you're not supposed to cry on Father's Day. 
so I won't do that. But uh, there's not a day goes by that she doesn't remind me that I married way out of my league, and I am who I am today because of her. But anyway, on to this letter that I got today, because, anyway, on to this letter. Uh, there's a guy in our church who is a senior constable within the Walkworth Police Department, and uh, this is a letter that he received. It's all too often that you hear negative things about the police. But I'm writing to you regarding a great personal experience with Senior Constable Gary Morning from Walkworth Police, and I'd like to, this to be passed on to his superior at Walkworth. I was unfortunately in the past addicted to meth for approximately five years. And although my, prior life, although my life prior to addiction was reasonably normal, my addiction brought me into contact with the local police more than I could have ever have liked. In February of this year, Gary phoned me on his time off to see how I was doing. What you don't need to understand is that Gary had arrested this gentleman three years before, before three years, uh, sorry, three times in the past five years. I was slightly taken back that a police officer would take the time and effort to call me in his own time. This call was a turning point in my life. This gentleman subsequently came to church and it showed me someone who had the faith and cared about my well-being. Gary is still in regular contact with me and I've now been drug-free for 189 days. I want to take a moment, before we clap, I want to take a moment to honour Gary Morning. And as part of this point in our message today, Pastor Paul, I would love for us as a church to honour the dozens and dozens and dozens of public servants in our church, whether they're teachers, doctors, social workers, ambulance drivers. I think we should honour every public servant who gives their life to serve the public. Can we put our hands together and honour them, add value to them? I seriously believe that uh, honour is one of those qualities that unwraps people that are bound. When you begin to lift somebody outside of yourself, everything the enemy's put around them begins to drop off. Because many people can't lift themselves to a true reflection of who they are in God, but honor breaks that. And I think we should be known as men, as people of the kingdom that honor others before ourselves. The third thing is that there is a responsibility to believe. As a man, I believe that I'm called to live beyond the status quo. I'm not just here to mark time or to simply uh, even do something that's reasonably good. I'm here to see God lift me through a newfound belief in the authority of his word and who he is and where he can take us to. And I love that God is doing that and he is speaking to the church to begin to press towards. It's kind of like wherever we are. Could we be believers that the God that is in us is able to lead us to new territory? It's kind of like Paul writes again in Romans and he says in verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. We know that, but we don't know that. But if we did know that, come on, even when we fail in attempting to do right, we get up and learn from that. And then I love verse 31. So what will we say to the things that don't work out? We're going to say, if God be for us. I said, we're going to say, if God be for us, this is not the end of the equation. The enemy might have struck, but who can be against us? And we're going to stand in that belief spirit. I just want to pray. I want to believe that we're going to be believers. That we're going to be people that live beyond the status quo. Luke, what do you think about that down south? Yeah, well, for me, it was when I found out I was going to become a parent for the first time. And 
You know, I had a great upbringing. I had great parents. Love you, Dad. But, uh, Thanks, you know, son. for me, it was, it was actually the, the journey of thinking to myself quite naturally, well, am I going to be able to do this? Or I don't know how to do this. I, I'm not qualified for the job. And I remember just in that moment of kind of going, okay, I'm feeling inadequate in this. I don't know if I can believe I can do a good job. Uh, then 20-week scan came along. I found out not, not only was it a child, but it was a, a girl. I was like, okay, I really don't know what I'm doing here. I, I remember God just sort of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, hey, you've got to realize that I'm the God that created you, and I'm the same God that's created this child. And you've got to understand that not only will I empower you, not only will I help you, but I'm placing people around your life that are going to help you believe you can do this. And I think I've found that, you know, belief for me is actually having an unwavering conviction to trust and do my best. That's what it looks like. That's what it takes. But I've found not only do I need the assurance of God in my life, but the assurance of many people around us. And like you touched on, not, not people that say, oh, man, parenting, it's tough work. <laughs> But actually finding people that have done a little bit longer in the parenting game than I have and saying, you know what, yeah, there's times where you're going to have to just grind it out, but it is so rewarding and it's so worth it and you've got it. You can do it. And it was the belief of others that caused me to start to believe that I could do what was at hand. The task, so to speak, was at hand. But I reckon the key is to have these people around us and then actually realize that we're not in this alone that actually as men, as individuals, God's created in us an, an ability to trust and confidently trust in the unseen. But it's a decision point. It's an application in our lives. And I'll leave you with this quote that I read that encouraged me. It said this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And for me, that's what belief is all about. So cool. And again, every location, every service. We sit here with a whole group of people. But our Father in Heaven sees us as His Son. So until you become a parent, do you really understand what you carry as a parent for your children? And I, I wonder, as I bring this to a close, are you living with belief? Is there something about you that changes the atmosphere wherever you find yourself. Online, you're living with belief. Well, I'm, I'm a believer in God. Yeah. The rocks believe there is a God because God created them. But that belief has got to be active. Eugene Peterson said, the only opportunity you ever have to live by faith is in the circumstances of your today. Faith isn't this thing for the future, it's here now. And I think as men, I, I want to encourage us to realize there's a God in heaven that designed us to be us. That creativity we have is designed by God. That strength is designed by God. That ability to see something broken, restored is designed by God. To reach the limits and the potential of heaven is designed by God. But God's asking, would we live the kind of life where we'll lead so we can leave an example? So people can look and go, I, I want to see that happen in my life as well. Would I honor others before myself rather than be so much about me that I think it's all about me? That's insecurity. But I'm going to start honoring others and believing and blowing breath 
and to the weakness of their season and the challenge of what they're going through. And I'm going to be a believer. Can I just say this? Never make an excuse for bringing oxygen into the room. Let me say it again. Never make an excuse for lifting those around you with an expectation for a greater tomorrow. And if you've lost that, then I want to pray today. Pray that God would meet us and that God would reignite what it means to become people that mirror the design we were created to mirror. And again, this week we've got three days, three incredible days, starting tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as a church. Three times this year, we're going to fast and pray. And I want to encourage every campus, Monday night up north, 7.30 7.30 to 8.30, an hour of prayer. Not just for North people, but for all of life. Get up to North if you can. Tuesday night down South, same time, 7.30 to 8.30. Wednesday night here in Central. An hour where we're coming together to pray. And I'm asking everybody to fast and to put time aside. Come on, to prepare themselves for the shift that God needs to make in us. And collectively, we're in the greatest season we've ever been as a church. And yet, as we've just shared in the series, Warfare, or the whole Checkmate series, is that there's an enemy that hates Come on, the release that God wants to bring to people. But we're going to press through. I want everybody at Life to make every effort to do something this week, to fast and to pray, be a part of what's happening. But let's pray together. Father, we thank you today. We thank you. You are the God of miracles. You're the God that changes us. You're the God that lifts us. You're the God that meets us exactly where we're at. Today, we just pray that we'll take steps to accept that we were designed for so much more. We honor you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.